This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. All right, let's get to it. Greetings. Happy Tuesday to you, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Aaron McIntyre is here, as is Todd Erzin. You would uh, like to join us? You may. 888-900-3393 is the number here to the Blaze. 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think. Via the SteveDace.com inbox, email us there, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E, or like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to a guest who can maybe give us a roadmap. How can we end the killing of children in America once and for all? We're going to talk about that here at the bottom of the hour. We've got some fake news or not coming your way as well. As this week's Pop Culture Tuesday, where we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And this week, I'm going to give you my final official list of my top 10 movies of 2019. Now that I've seen everything that I wanted to consider for putting on the list, I am ready with January, basically, over this week to finally tell you what I thought of the movies from last year. So... Uh, justice delayed is not going to be justice denied. I'll tell you, I had a hard time. I, I thought 2019, there's, there's been plenty of years where I just come up with a top 10 because I have to, and I'm like, objectively, a couple of these movies should not be on this list. And and this year, I, I had a hard time narrowing it down to 10. I, I thought 2019 was a pretty strong year uh, in terms of uh, the the craft of filmmaking. So we'll get to those coming up at the end of the show. But before we get to all of that, Here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a lot. We'll start with the latest in the impeachment saga. Former National Security Advisor John Bolton has a new book coming out. Apparently, the New York Times was able to get a hold of the draft of the book, wherein Bolton claims Trump did indeed threaten to withhold aid to Ukraine if they didn't investigate the Bidens. This new revelation, not revelation, is giving people like Mitt Romney more of an excuse to drag the Senate trial on. I've said for some time that I hope to be able to hear from John Bolton. I think with a story that came out uh, yesterday, it's increasingly apparent that it would be important to hear from John Bolton. Uh, I, I, of course, will make a final decision on witnesses after we've heard from not only the prosecution, but also the defense. Ted Cruz was asked about Hunter Biden getting a job thanks to his last name. If, if that's a crime, I mean, shouldn't half of your children be in prison? My, my children are 9 and 11, and I'm sorry that you want to throw a 9-year-old in prison. But at this point, my, my, my third grader 
plays basketball and softball at her school. So so stop playing the nasty. No, no, stop playing the na- nasty Washington game. I'm sorry, that's not nasty Washington game. Sam. Attacking a nine-year-old. In case you needed reminding that you're a lower form of life if you voted for Donald Trump, this happened on CNN last night. The Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane <laughs> next to it. He knows that this is, you know, an, an administration defined by ignorance of the world. And so that's partly him playing to their base and playing to their audience. Uh, you know, the, the, the credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump um, that, that wants to think that, that, that Donald Trump's a smart one. And there are y'all, y'all, y'all elitists are them. <laughs> you, you elitists with your geography and your maps and your spelling, even though my your math and your reading. Yeah, you're reading. <laughs> You know, your geography, knowing other countries, sipping your latte. All those lines on the map. (laughs) Only them elitists know where Ukraine is. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is, why is America divided? Porque está dividida América. Moving on, Elizabeth Warren is doubling down on her plan to get rid of student loan debt. It's not fair. I've saved for my daughter's college education, and now you're talking about forgiving and helping out all the people who didn't save. For Americans who are in that father's position, who felt they did the right thing and you're bailing out those who didn't, what's your response? Look, we build a future going forward by making it better. By that same logic, what would we have done? Not started Social Security because we didn't start it last week for you or last month for you? Pete Buttigieg says there's no room at the Democratic Inn if you're pro-life. Do you want the support of pro-life Democrats, pro-life Democratic voters? There are about 21 million of us. I respect where you're coming from and I hope to earn your vote, but I'm not going to try to earn your vote by tricking you. Uh, I am pro-choice and I believe that a woman ought to be able to make that decision. Checking in on the Bernie Sanders campaign. So you know we're in the French resistance now, right? 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 You got nine, remember the French resistance, right? They had to, nobody in the French resistance ever said, yeah, I know there's only nine days to our caucus, but uh, you know, I, I, I've, gotta, I've gotta get the kids to soccer this week. No, the kids can walk to soccer this week. Nobody in the French resistance ever said, geez, I, I, yes, I'd like to help you stop those Nazis coming down the road there, but, but um, we've got couples therapy at four today. No, no, you have to get along with your spouse for the next week or two. There's no couples therapy. Just get along. Get along for the greater good of this country. You're in the French resistance. You're in the Iowa resistance. This also happened. You are a self-proclaimed socialist. Democratic, put in there, please. Thank you. Your agenda has promised free health care for everybody, free college tuition, and to pay off people's college loans. The price tag for that is estimated to be $60 trillion over 10 years, correct? Well, look, we have political opponents. You don't know. Come up. You don't know how much your plan costs. You don't know. Nobody knows. This is impossible. You're going to propose a plan to the American people. and You're not going to tell them how much it costs. Of course I will. Less than a week away from the Iowa caucuses and the real clear politics polling average of the state shows Bernie Sanders leading Joe Biden 25 percent to 22 percent. Pete Buttigieg is behind at 17 percent, while Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar round out the top five at 13.5 and 8.5 percent, respectively. 
Moving on, checking in on President Trump's spiritual advisor, Paula White. In the name of Jesus, we command all satanic pregnancies to miscarry right now. We declare that anything that's been conceived in satanic wombs, that it'll miscarry. White defended herself after that clip surfaced, saying she didn't mean those words literally. Franklin Graham had a speaking event canceled in the United Kingdom due to his views on marriage and sexuality. Graham's event was scheduled to be held at ACC Liverpool and was part of a larger tour through the United Kingdom. Officials at the venue, however, announced Friday the event will be scrubbed from the schedule because of Graham's views. In other news from the other side of the pond, the Church of England announced its stance on sexuality recently, affirming the biblical notion of marriage and saying sex should be reserved for heterosexual married relationships. Back stateside, FBI prosecutors with the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York have reportedly made several attempts to interview Prince Andrew about his friendship with the deceased sexual predator Jeffrey Epstein. And Prince Andrew has provided zero cooperation. That's according to U.S. Attorney Jeffrey Herman. And finally, do you just ever have one of those days where you just, uh, where you, it says, and, uh, I think there was, I think there were all the James, but the, uh, uh, there's a, a, in the book of James, there's a, a verse that says, uh, uh, something people, something about, by your words, uh, and, oh yeah, people, people let me remember what you say, but they'll remember what you do. Something to that effect. And that's what happened while we were away. We need to start a new segment. When Democrats try using the Bible, of course, we could just do this with most Republicans nowadays, too. But that clip of, of, of Tom Carper reminded me of when John Kerry infamously said in 2004 that his favorite Bible verse was John 16.3. Now, he meant to say John 3.16, obviously. Okay. He just got confused. And I've said, you know, I've told you guys on the show before. Having, I've got more sympathy working on a campaign than I did just covering them for the amount of hours that these guys and gals are on the trail. How they got to be on constantly. We're human beings, not robots. You're going to have slip ups, right? Right. Yes. Okay. But he meant to say John three sixteen, not which you know is a go to verse for a lot of people. Not and it's a good one, um, but not John sixteen three. But do you know what John sixteen three is? And and they will do this because they do not know me. <laughs> And this was like one of the all-time great Freudian, unintentional, self-parodying Freudian slips. That clip reminded me of that. Let's get to this montage because, wow. I mean, there, there's there's shows in this montage. I, I don't, this is one of those days, you know, there's some days we come in here and I'm like, I see what the rundown is. I don't see the montages before they air and that's on purpose. I want to react to them in real time. Uh, but I get a rundown of what's there and kind of get a general idea. All right, if, if this one clicks with me, we're going to discuss this and maybe let's save a, a topic for the overtime. Like today, we're going to save the um, the the story of uh, what's it like to be a pro-life Democrat. We're going to we're going to save that for the overtime today at blazetv.com slash dace. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, just go there later this afternoon. It'll be right there for you. If you're not and would like to be one, go there and uh, you'll get a discounted subscription to Blaze TV with my name as the discount at blazetv.com slash dace. And that'll give you access to everything we do every day here at Blaze TV too. All right, blazetv.com slash dace. But there's a couple of days every now and then, not too much in recent years, because it just seems like this stuff just happens, you know, the contractions are happening 
uh, more frequently, but there's still been a couple of times I'm like, and I don't know if we got 15, 20 minutes of analysis on that, right? Like every, every few months that happens. Sure. Today I'm looking at this and I'm like, I, I mean, I, I just, we may have to re-rack some of these at a, at a later date because they, they deserve an in-depth unpacking. So, so where, where, where to start? Um, um, do you guys know what a metaphorical miscarriage is? Would, would you guys, would you guys know what that is or? Is this Paula White stuff? Yeah. You know, when I saw this, I'm like, I had a feeling like maybe you guys had when, you know, early in January, the Pope just starts slapping women around. I'm like, um, so, so you had the, you had the right feeling is what you're telling us. So you had the right reaction to it. Well, yes. did I like, uh, you guys were thinking, is, no, it's, it, it's, did it's, I miss it's, something? In it's the- heresy. It's insanity. The mm-hmm. woman's insane and is a false teacher. And, and it, it, you, the reality is Trump has shown that if, if, He'll repay his, you know, he's a Lannister. A Lannister always pays his debts. He will pay his political debts, right? If, if he believes he owes you something, he will pay up. You guys, these, these evangelical leaders, like Franklin Graham out there getting banned from the UK for his views on marriage, they don't need her to get access politically. First of all, they all have larger platforms than she does because she's been so discredited. The reason she glommed on to Trump is because she's been so discredited. She's been a part of numerous churches that have collapsed, and every she's left in bankruptcy. There's a, a lawsuit with a predominantly black church, I think in Apopka, Florida right now, suing her as we speak. They don't need her. That's, what, that's, what, that's where my anger comes in at. Like, if you're Michael Tate, lead singer of the Newsboys, you are the lead singer of the greatest selling, other than maybe... Mercy me, the greatest selling contemporary Christian music band ever in the world. What have they been through, Aaron? Like three or four lead singers, right? right? I mean, yeah. this, this, this band has decades of success. You don't need her. You don't. I mean, you could just call the White House on your own and say, hey, I, we, we sold three million records last year. Can I get a meeting? And what do you think the answer is probably going to be? Yeah. I mean, that's what's so disturbing about all of this is she's not needed as an intermediate. She's only dead weight. Like, I mean, you can, like, you know what? Churchill's got to sit down with Stalin because you can't fight Hitler on the, you know, in Eastern Europe and Western Europe at the same time. And you plug your nose, right? And you, and you, you shift in your seat uncomfortably the whole time you're sitting there at Yalta. But, but you're like, I'll, I'll, I'll tackle this devil when we get there. We, we, we don't beat this devil. I don't get a chance to go after him later on, right? You, you can justify it, Right. She's unnecessary. She adds nothing, owns nothing that they don't already have. And that's the thing that bothers me so much about it. It's just straight up groupieism. There's no point for her to be there. No. But I don't want to spend the whole 30 minutes talking about her. So let's get to another crazy woman, Elizabeth Warren. Other than when Social Security was started, it was a contract where you were putting your own money away. To then, uh, for the government to hold for your retirement as a as a forbearance that they would then uh, um, compensate you for at the age of retirement. Other than that, and in the case of student loans, you've already paid. If you didn't get loans, you already paid for your college education or the college education of somebody else, and are now going to be asked to pay for someone else's college education. Thus pay twice. Other than that, 
her analogy to starting Social Security is right on the money. Other than it has no equivalency on any level whatsoever, it's a great analogy. Other than it just, it's not, other than the fact it's not analogous, it's a great analogy. (laughs) I mean, it's just insane. It doesn't, it wouldn't hold up to the slightest bit. It wouldn't hold up to the slightest bit of cross-examination, and that's why the comeback is often you're a racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic bigot. Because they know this. They know it doesn't hold up. They know they can't respond to the pushback. That's why they ban you. That's why they censor you. That's why they deplatform you. If they thought, really, that you were the caricatures in that CNN clip we're going to get to in a minute, if they thought really that's who you were, it would be bulls on parade, man. Cameras roll. They'd be showing that to the American people all of the time. But it's the fact they don't want to show your arguments to the American people indicates they know their own caricature is not true. They know. They know. They would, they would want debate. They would seek out transparency and scrutiny if there were good arguments other than just emotional pablum and rambling they would but it's the fact that they don't really want you on their op-ed pages it's the fact they don't really want you on their panels it's the fact they don't really want your conservative group on their college campuses it's not because they think your arguments are infantile it's because they know they're not it's because they know they're not and I want, I'm going to reset that point a lot probably this year during the campaign. Because I, I want to make sure we, you know, we've spent a lot of time the last few years urging you in our audience to not just diminish everyone that disagrees with us as a straw man in a construct, right? But I want to make sure we also don't build this up to like mythological status. Like these are opponents and ideas and ideologies that cannot be defeated either. And it may be time to swing the pendulum back maybe now the other way. To show you the reason why, the reason why you get these fascist tactics is not because they think you're rubes, but because they know you're not and they're afraid of you. If they, if they weren't afraid of you, they would just let you do whatever you wanted to say and give you the platform to say it. They campus reform you all of the time. They would just show up with cameras and, and microphones and say, talk stupid, Go. And then go back and show it to their people. But the fact that your views aren't welcome there is indicative of the fact they fear losing an argument. They don't want a free exchange of ideas. So take confidence there. Her explanation of her own plans is just dumb. It's just dumb. It's, it, the, the situations aren't analogous whatsoever. The... Um, That's a reporter coming back at Ted Cruz there. And I got to tell you, can I, can I just have a personal point of privilege for a moment? Of course. When I saw that clip yesterday, I thought, man, I think he'd be in the white house right now. If we would have saw more of that on the campaign trail. Oh yeah. When you finally get through to pissed off feisty Ted Cruz. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. I think we, I, 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 but, but let's, just a personal point of privilege. <laughs> All right. Um, now that, that vein in your yes. neck is starting to, you know, let's step away. Yeah. But um, 
that line of questioning isn't a question. It's a, it's a cross-examination. And I've, I've said the last few years, I've been, I've been very hesitant to comment on, on what Ted Cruz has been doing because I can't win. If, you know, if I'm critical, then I've, you know, I'm, I'm stabbing him in the back. And if I'm, if I'm complimentary, well, that's your buddy. So you can't be objective. Right. So, I mean, you guys are welcome to say whatever you want. You don't have that relationship. I do. And so that's why I have been, I've largely treated him as a, as an entity that from a show standpoint that I just, I, I don't comment on cause I can't win for losing. But if I saw something I thought was really, really bad and I'm like, danger, Will Robinson, don't go there. Or if I saw something that I thought was really, really good and I'm like, keep doing that, I, I would say so. I'm going to say the latter. That's really, really good. Keep doing that. Keep, keep doing that. That right there. That's, that's what people want to see more of. And I, and it's, it's powerful to expose these people like that. So, so keep doing that. If anybody over at, at the Senator's office is, uh, is paying attention to that, keep, keep doing stuff like that. What's happening now with Bernie Sanders is now they want to ask questions about how do you pay for your plans and everything else. And I think what they're going to find is that it may, it may cost him a point or two or three, but it's not going to destabilize him as a candidate. And, and it's a lesson I learned being on the Cruz campaign going after Donald Trump. Because, I mean, Trump, during the course of that primary, gave upteen positions on upteen different various issues, except for immigration. He was very consistent on that, okay? But, but on virtually everything else, I mean, he was, because, because the truth is, he's not, hasn't, he didn't spend his life agreeing with us on these issues. And in real time, he's now sifting out, which of these issues am I using for my own, um, you know, uh, political advantage? And then what do I really think on some of these things? Okay. Um, like I do think he's had an earnest change on the life issue. I just, I just don't think I've, I've got a lot of experience with this in Republic politicians, Republican politicians. And I just don't think you go and, and take and use the language and highlight the things he highlights for pure political purposes. Republicans have ran from thing. Ralph Northam is not the first person to say stuff like this on the left. He's not. They've actually been saying stuff like this for years, but Republicans have ran from it because it prompts the very existential argument that they don't want to have. All right. Um, They want it to be a technocratic argument. So I I think on an issue like that, there has been a sincere conversion, but on the Cruz campaign, we were just mystified. I mean, he, you know, what was it? Do you guys remember the Todd? Do you remember that when he came out with the trillion dollar infrastructure plan or whatever was that, that was, do you remember that? And it was like, dude, this is just like the new deal. Yes. I okay. remember the conversation. I mean, sure. Yeah. We, we, we were just mystified at like how he would just propose stuff that goes against all forms of conservative orthodoxy in some cases, or, or at least, you know, contemplate them in real time. And it never seemed to hurt him. And I think we re, we didn't realize until after the general election that, that Donald Trump isn't a philosophy. There isn't a Trumpism. That's why there, there haven't been a, a, a group of politicians that have kind of come up 
on his coattails with with his talking points and his style like like Reaganism had or 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 you know Bill Clinton had you don't see that um because it's not an ideology and it's not even a brand it's a personality it's him and it it works uniquely for him what he does and i think you're about on the left to learn a similar lesson with Bernie Sanders because you you may get a couple of people that are like, oh, wow, I guess I didn't know these things. Well, well, number one, if you've been voting Democrat for more than 10 minutes, you have been voting for people who were, who were willing to bankrupt the country for social engineering. You, you made your peace with that. You know, you put a mint on your pillow and, 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 and grabbed a couple of melatonin and slept like a baby on that one a long ass time ago. Can I get a witness on you, that? You don't believe Nora okay. Donald's great umbrage? No, no. I, I mean, if you've, if you have voted Democrat sincerely, not for like a troll or frustration, but if you've done it sincerely for more than five minutes in your life, you have done made your peace with fist, any form of fiscal sanity. All right. That that's, they're not even, that. So, I mean, that's just ridiculous on its face as a premise. But Bernie is a brand. Bernie is Bernie. The, the, the reason why he is soaring is because there's a group of people that really believe in his ideology. And that's those Project Veritas videos that I think there's another one out today that just came out before we went on the air, right? Mm-hmm. All right there's a, that really want the gulag, gulags to come to America, okay? You know what the rest of his base is, though? I think I think that SOB is crazy and I like it. I like it. I I, I think that guy is just nuts enough to un, to yank the plug out of the out of the, you know and uh and and reboot the whole thing and let's see what we get cuz what I'm getting right now doesn't doesn't work for me. And and so I I don't know that going after him on whether he knows the cost of his plans. First of all, I, I, that will Steve, it hurt Elizabeth Warren. Well, it hurt Elizabeth Warren because number one, she's not a brand, number one. But number two, it hurt her from the standpoint of she sounded so weak and technocratic that Democrats are like, that won't win an election on a, on a national stage. I mean, if, if, how many Democrats that won swing House districts last year sounded like Elizabeth Warren explaining her Medicare program? None of them did. They just all talked in slogans and orange man bad, right? Those, those were all the ads that we saw in sure. Iowa when, in, the, in the swing seats the Democrats won, and those are the ads that you saw. They didn't get into the minutiae uh, or the details of their plans. And Bernie's not going to do that either because, because Bernie has a, has a, his brand is he believes in a certain, a certain proletariat view of history. That's his brand. And there's enough people that are frustrated with the system right now that are just looking for something different. And, and so I don't know that that's going to collapse his support. Todd, what are your thoughts? I'm so, well, I'm certain it's not going to collapse his uh, support, which is why months ago I said he was the most likely 
uh, uh, front runner long term. Everybody else, even what I believed about Buttigieg, you know, he didn't have uh, a base that was as time tested as a Bernie Sanders. And we, it's the same. You've mentioned the same as Ron Paul uh, yeah. in the past. They, and and this is the part about Bernie Sanders that I respect. He's been doing this for how many decades now? And the message has just been the message. You know, it, true belief in this day and age, even if it's ghastly true belief, yeah. is still something to behold, man. Because yes. I've you've been in the arena. I've been in the arena where I'm standing alone, surrounded by the throng who wants you done. He's never flinched. And hey, hate the game, not the player. The reason his time has come is people hate globalism and corporate America. And often see those two things as two peas in the same pod. This is why. This is why the ultimate ultimate entrepreneur, Joe Rogan, is endorsing him. It's because he's projecting his frustrations with the system, which he spends a good deal of time on his podcast, letting people from various parts of the ideological spectrum, they seem to only have one thing in common, which is what? They represent a new paradigm compared to what we get force-fed from corporatist elites uh, and and their globalist uh, um, you know, uh, ideologues that we get spoon-fed uh, through the Overton window. And, and he's the proxy for that. If you want to beat him, you're going to have to find a candidate that can coalesce the folks that believe in traditional Democratic Party ideology and talking points. But you're not going to collapse his support to a point that someone else will then just get to be him uh, because they're the last one standing. You're going to have to build a coalition that can overcome the zeitgeist that he's he's tapping into, Aaron. Yeah, and it gets back to this is why... This is why I think a lot of um, not huge fan Democrats who are not huge fans of of Bernie Sanders are probably a little bit panicked right now if they have their eyes wide open because what other candidate is is able or capable of doing that right now? Not at this late of a moment. There's there's not really a, a, a huge market out there or or viable alternatives for somebody to come along that has the talent to where you can. You can kind of wish cast what you want to see onto that candidate, like you just explained a lot of people are doing with Bernie Sanders. And I mean, I I said this a few weeks ago. I mean, Bernie Sanders, he is the only candidate amongst the Democrats right now with a true, like a true base of support right Mm -hmm. now. And that's showing through and that's going to show through in about uh, five days. So how do we end the plague, the scourge of child killing in America once and for all? We'll get into that conversation with our guests coming up here in just a few moments on The Blaze, here on demand and on podcast, as well as Blaze TV. Stay tuned. Quick little programming note. I, I teased we were going to get to it and we ran out of time, but we are going to talk about the viral moment that happened on CNN last night. And we're going to discuss that in our fake news or not next hour, because it also ties into the very conversation I had with two of their producers right here at this desk in this studio two weeks ago today. Remember when they came to me with an offer to quote, collaborate. 
and and I warned them about the very thing that occurred on their airwaves last night. So I want to I want to tie those uh, those two points together. We're going to do that later on with fake news or not next hour. So make sure you are tuned in for that. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. D-E-A-C-E for those of you on radio and podcast. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Last night on Twitter, I saw something uh, one of our listeners had sent us about whether the new baseline for Republican presidents now is that they have to physically go uh, and be present and speak to the March for Life now. Uh, if, if Trump has established that as a as a new baseline. And my response back to this listener of ours was the, the pro-life movement should make the new baseline for a Republican president to no longer require for the March for life to be necessary. Right? Yes, of course. How do we get there? James Silberman has been writing about this uh, over at uh, the federalist and the resurgent. He's involved in some of these efforts as well called free the States. And he joins us now here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. James, it's a pleasure to have you with us, sir. How are you? Doing well, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. So let me let me pose that question to you. How do we get there? How do we get to the end game of this? We're winning in the arena of ideas. But legislatively, um, I would argue that really until recently when states like my own, Iowa, Tennessee's doing this now, Alabama, others, we haven't really crafted legislation that challenges Roe versus Wade truly since Casey v. Pennsylvania. And you look pretty young. How old are you, James? I'm 24. So you weren't even alive when we took that case all the way to the Supreme Court. We had a Democratic governor of of Pennsylvania that was arguing that case on our behalf. That's why he got booed out of the the arena at the the Democratic uh, Convention in 1992. But that's the last time we have truly challenged Roe on its merits. It's been a quarter of a century. So I always argue with a lot of the pro-life leadership that, that I know, and they seem more receptive to this message now than they did a few years ago when many of them hated me. But the argument that I would make is, if, if we can't do anything until we overturn Roe, which I don't agree with that, by the way, but okay, that's your point. If we can't do anything until we overturn Roe, then we have to craft legislation that gets into the courts so that we can challenge Roe on the merits to overturn it. What's your plan to do that? And you've got to see a sonogram before you can kill your kid won't get us there so what what exactly. then is the plan what is the plan james what are you working on what do you see happening across the country right so i am here in oklahoma um and there are there are other bills around the country um, but i'm primarily supporting this bill here in oklahoma uh called the abolition of abortion in oklahoma act um and you know you, you talked a lot about about uh roe and casey um my contention and the contention of a lot of people here in oklahoma um, we're going to have a rally on February 11th with probably two, three, four thousand people. Um, is that we do not have to abide by Roe. Roe is not a, um, a a binding opinion because no opinion of any court can actually legalize murder. And so the the opinion of a lot of um, a lot of people and even a lot of pro-life people is that whatever the Supreme Court says is the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy at Texas Alliance for Life. Um, his name is Joe Poyman. And he told the Houston Chronicle back in April um, why his organization was opposing the abolition of abortion in Texas Act. And his explanation was, we could no sooner ignore the Supreme Court than we could ignore a law of the law of gravity. 
Um, so, and, so hold on a second, because my audience has heard me claim I have heard these sorts of statements from pro, some some pro life leaders a good portion of my career, and I think there's a there's a segment of them that don't want to believe this. So I want them to hear this from somebody else who's at least 20 years younger than me, okay? <laughs> yeah. All right, so you heard from a pro-life leader in what is considered right now Red State Valhalla, Texas. Yep. You heard him say that he didn't want to seek the true full abolition ending once and for all of the killing of innocent unborn children in America because they have to obey Supreme Court precedent. Right. And this wasn't just something that he told me like one on one in private. This is something that's in the Houston Chronicle. And so you, you can Google this. You can Google Joe Poyman, Texas Alliance for Life. We could no sooner ignore the Supreme Court than we could ignore a law of gravity. Um, how does he think? Let, me, let's assume that's true, James. Mm-hmm. And how does he assume then where does he where does he want to get a new Supreme Court precedent from? Right. I mean, I, right. I would assume he, uh, then 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 if we just assume every time that, that there's a Supreme Court precedent, it's the law forever. By his own system, then, wouldn't we have to craft legislation that would get them to reconsider their previous precedent? Because what he's really arguing is that he's not in favor of abolishing abortion, period, then. Because if he doesn't want to craft legislation that causes them to reconsider their own precedent, then he's really saying that he's in favor of abortion. You get get the math that I'm trying to do here. No, that, that's okay. exactly correct. Yeah, and, and you, know, you brought up the, the ultrasound laws, um, the 24-week ban. That's the sort of stuff that most of the pro-life leaders want to do. Um, and it's not, it's not only that they want to do that and they don't want to pass a law saying that abortion is murder. It's that they want to do the ultrasound bill and the 20-week ban and the, you know, you can kill your baby as long as you wait for 72 hours first. They want to pass those laws and then actively oppose the bills right. which abolish abortion. This is another key point. It's not incrementalism is is a path to an end game, right? Okay, that you are gradually eroding at, away at something that you want to eliminate, right? Okay, so um, it, it's it's like invade. It's like sending all the X wings into the Death Star to take out all the gun turrets. Okay, that's a first step, and then you just fly away. We'll get you next time. Like you never, you never then go after the thermal exhaust port to blow the thing up. Are we there? Are we there to take out the gun turrets or blow out the blow up the Death Star here? Because you understand they, 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 it can still like it's still a planet killer without its gun turrets. That's kind of what you're getting at here. Is it's is it's the it's the incrementalism is not a means to an end game. That they then will then when when a guy like you shows up and says, well, hey, now that we've established this precedent. Let's round third and head for home. Let's get the win. They will actively stand up and oppose this. That's the part that I think is important for our audience to understand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's one more point that I would make um, on the topic of, of incrementalism. Um, you know, there's a there's there was a Pew poll done. There's people done r- roughly every year, and um, the Pew poll for 2019 uh, found that only 12 percent of of Americans want abortion abolished from conception. There's, there's, there's a pretty broad support for certain regulations on abortion, mm-hmm. but 12% of Americans want abortion abolished from conception. And I think the cause of that is that the pro-life legislation that, that we're backing is this incremental stuff. And so, I mean, lots of people say they're pro-life, right? About 48 to 52% say I'm pro-life. But because the pro-life legislation has all been 24-week ban, waiting period, ultrasound bills, People think that's what pro-life 
means. And so we've got a situation where half the country says they're pro-life, but only one in four to one in five of people who say they're pro-life actually want abortion abolished from conception. And I think that is unfortunately the fruit of the incrementalism that is so ingrained um, in the, the, the primary pro-life strategy of national right to life um, in a lot of these groups. And so I think it's very important that we not just go with this incrementalism that makes people uh, comfortable with incrementalism, but that we actually demand it be abolished and then rally people to that call. Um, because right now we're rallying people to the call of the 20-week ban or the heartbeat bill or the, or the you know, whatever, whatever other compromise bill. And the fruit of compromise is comfortability with compromise. And so I would say that it's really important that we, um, that we say what we mean, we say abortion's murder, and then our actions and our legislation and our strategy is consistent with what we say abortion is, which is murder. Um, and so that's what we're doing here at Free the States. It's happening around the country. Uh, there are six bills to totally and immediately abolish abortion around the country. Uh, there's one in Oklahoma, Indiana, Texas, Washington, Alaska, and Idaho. And there's one that's about to be introduced in Missouri as well. Um, and so this is the sort of legislation that my organization exists to support. And this is the uh, sort of legislation that, uh, yeah, I would encourage everyone watching to to rally around, especially if you live in one of those states. One other thing I want to talk to you about, too, that I think local pro-life leaders don't haven't really considered because I've been in some of the same states that you're in and talking about doing things similarly with with um, what we used to call personhood legislation okay mm -hmm. and when you have a 24 Kermit Gosnell went to prison for violating all of those waiting period laws in Pennsylvania. And you have to keep in mind that how are those laws enforced? We don't have like a prenatal registry. I'm guessing neither you and I would be supportive of a government imposed prenatal registry, right? Obviously not. Okay. So therefore, who do we rely upon for the accurate reporting of the, of the data? Who, where does the medical data come from? It, it often comes from the, the, the Planned Parenthoods of the world. Right. Okay. And forgive me if, 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 you, if you get up every morning and your life is the boy in the striped pajama, right? You kiss your, kid to, you kiss your kids good, you know, goodbye, go off to work, and you, know, you, 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 you clock in, dismember some babies, you know, clean up, go home, and uh, go play catch in the yard with your kids. If, if your conscience is so seared that that's your life, I'm guessing flubbing and lying about, you know, where the child measured on the sonogram or the x-ray or is it 21 weeks or 24 weeks or 19 or 18 or uh, was, it a, was it a sexual assault or not or was it a statutory rape or not? I, I'm guessing lying about the details when you're already murder for hire, lying about the details of the, of, of the murders you're committing. I'm guessing that's probably not a big leap for your conscience. And that's the part of these pieces of legislation is that it's similar to NCAA rules. The, the only people that the NCAA rules in, uh, keep in line are the schools that were never going to break them anyway. <laughs> All right. <Yep. laughs> Similarly, the, 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 the percentage of people who will, who will, you know, how many people on it now? I'm, I'm sure there is a few. I'll probably get emails from say, Hey, I was one of them. 
But the amount of people who on their way to the Planned Parenthood will, will uh, with their turning signal lit, will say, you know what? Man, I think I've got 23 weeks. I can't do this. It's illegal. And then drive off. Compared to the amount of people who are so desperate to get out of the situation, they won't even care. I'm guessing it's, it's about 10,000 to one. All right. And I think this is what's an inherent weakness of this approach is we're often passing laws that men like Kermit Gosnell have proven are largely unenforceable. Um, they're, they're, they're platitudinal. They, they give Republican politicians a, a badge on a uniform, like a Weeblow exactly or a Bobcat. Okay. They can say, Hey, I, I passed this, but they're largely unenforceable. And I want to give you a couple of minutes to, to speak to that point for our audience before we let you go. Absolutely. Um, so the, that point actually you made about um, the kind of the, the badge that the Republicans want to put on their chest, I think, is a really important point to hit. So I'll, I'll hit that real quickly. Um, here in Oklahoma, we've had the abolition of abortion in Oklahoma Act for the last four years. We've had it since 2016. And what happened last year is that we got a lot of support behind that bill from the public. So we had a thousand people at the Capitol, about 900 to a thousand people. Um, we had we were we were getting lots of coverage in the news, all this stuff. And so there's all this pressure on on uh, the leader of the Senate, Greg Treat, and the committee, the chair of the committee where the bill was, Jason Smalley. And so they're, they're, they're both pro-life Republicans, and they're feeling all this pressure to support this abolition of abortion in Oklahoma Act, but they didn't. They, they, they killed it. They prevented it from even getting a hearing or a vote. And their response to that was to pass three pro-life bills. They passed another uh, thing with a waiting period. They passed a thing to give some more money to a maternal program. So they passed a couple pro-life bills. And what those pro-life bills did is it gave them the badge on their chest. Mm -hmm. And so now instead of the whole state and all the Christians of Oklahoma saying, you're the guy who kept abortion legal, now they're they're saying, no, 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 look at this pro-life badge on our chest. And that pro-life badge from passing those three pro-life bills is really what saved their careers. Those three incremental bills are what allowed them to kill the abolition of abortion in Oklahoma Act and get away with it. And so that's really what is enabling abortion to continue is those pro-life bills that the the Republican politicians pass and put that badge on their chest. Um, And so it's really important that that we see those compromises for what they are. It's it's enabling uh, the killing to continue and that we stand strong, uh, that abortion is murder, and that we need to completely abolish it. Because if, if we celebrate compromises... They're just going to keep compromising and keep putting that comp- that badge on their chest. So we've got to stand up and say, no, abortion's murder. It must be abolished. Um, and, uh, yeah, pray to God that, that the results will come. James, uh, one more time. Give us a rundown of the states that you guys are operating in. Yes. So my organization operates mostly in Oklahoma. Uh, we're here based in Norman. Um, but we support any abolition bill all around the country. We'll try to get people connected uh, with the people leading those charges. And so the, the seven states where there's a bill uh, are, are Oklahoma, uh, Texas. If you're in Texas, uh, get connected with Abolish Abortion Texas. Uh, if you're in Indiana, get connected with Hoosiers for Life and with Abolish Abortion Indiana. Uh, if you're in Washington, get connected with Abolish Abortion Washington. If you're in Idaho, uh, follow a, uh, Abortion Human Rights Act on Facebook. Uh, if you're in Alaska, uh, I'm not sure if there's an official organization there. Um, but anyways, yeah, the, those, those are the states. And then the, there's a bill coming in Missouri very soon. Um, and then if you're in Oklahoma, follow Free the States uh, on Facebook. James Silberman, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate you. Take care. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. You bet. Thoughts on that conversation, gentlemen? It is crucial that we 
start supporting and keep supporting organizations like this who have their eyes wide open uh, it, with regards to not only the issue and the the tragedy and the stain that abortion is on our country's fabric, but also have their eyes wide open to the reality of of, of the of the grandfather organizations, if you will, that have in some ways perpetuated the the stain that is abortion. Uh, and and we mentioned some of the reasons why it's it's incrementalism for incrementalism's sake. It's your we below badge. Uh, if you're a Republican, it's. It's all, all this has been, it seems like, at least in my lifetime and in most of you guys' lifetime as well, what this has been is mostly just a get-out-the-vote effort. Let's, let's be honest about it. The, the pro-life movement has just been a get-out-the-vote effort for Republican politicians for the vast majority. That's not to say that a lot, there's parts of the pro-life movement, the, the hands and feet, the, 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 you know, the wheels on the ground, if you will, uh, organizations like Save the Storks uh, as well. They have been doing tremendous work, and there's a lot of organizations that have done tremendous work, but the actual political arm of the pro-life movement it's just been a get-out-the-vote effort, and so I applaud uh, groups like James's. Uh, we need more of that, and we have to start supporting those groups more and more. And I think it's probably the reason why we're starting to see more of these efforts at the state level to actually move the ball down the field and not just get these uh, rinky-dink, uh, tit-for-tat, um, you know, and then you can kill the baby legislation or legislative measures. Uh, I think it's really important what, uh, what he's doing, and we gotta uh, got to support that. You know, your recent uh, column talked about the the notion of being cool in politics and how much that sways things, and it does on both sides. And this badge on the chest is talking about this is what a lot of pro-life people have liked, that that cool feeling with the seat of the table. But it's it, it's never risen to the level of here I stand, I can do no other uh, in, in a lot of people's hearts and minds. As soon as you start to feel a little uncool about what you're doing, you just step back. You pull your punches, uh, and it's refreshing in the extreme. When you, he, when I saw his face, young guy, twenty four years old. I mean, I'm around Aaron every day. I'm getting used. I mean, he's twenty years younger than us, but I sometimes forget, you know, that he is the age it is. That there are young people out there with this level of resolve. They don't give a rip about what you think is cool. They're following God. For here they stand, and they can do no other. Well said. We'll come back. Hour number two here on Blaze TV radio and podcast, Fake News or Not, followed by Pop Culture Tuesday. Stay tuned. Back here in just a moment. And greetings back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre here with me as well. If you'd like to join us, Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. If you're listening to us today via the podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, please do so. They certainly help our cause of remaining employed. We have gotten those from thousands of you on the various podcasting platforms already. Please, by all means, keep them coming. And thank you to those that have left us one of those five-star reviews previously. Consider leaving us six or seven more. I, I don't know if they'll count, but I'm willing to try to find out. 
Fake news or not brought to you by our friends over at RidUZone who want to offer you a reality check how many of you made a New Year's resolution to change your diet and lose weight. How's that going for you so far? Chances are you're having a good deal of trouble fighting the cravings and the portion sizes, but there could be a solution developed by doctors and backed by two U.S. patents. Riduzone is the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA, the naturally occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster and burns stored fat while reducing your calorie intake at the same time. Riduzone makes it easier to resist those cravings that can ruin your resolve. And the easiest way to keep your resolve up and get your weight under control is with Riduzone. That's exclusively available at Riduzone.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E is the website. And if you use my name, Steve, as a promo code, you're going to get a massive discount, 65%. 65% off your first order, and they'll even throw in free shipping as well. You cannot beat that, all right? That's, that, is, that is practically giving it away. 65% off your first order and free shipping when you use my name, Steve, as the promo code at riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Just go there to learn more, too, at riduzone.com. Let's get to fake news or not. And, and this week, I, I want us to discuss only one clip because I, 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 I know it's become sort of clickbaity, low-lying fruit, but sometimes... You know, the obvious is obvious, not because it's 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 just lazy to to grasp on to, to grab a hold of, but because it's self evident. It, it 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 encapsulates, it crystallizes things for you. Okay, and I want us to discuss this one clip because I I think it summarizes a lot of what we've seen in various walks over the last four years where you're seeing the Academy Awards having all-time low ratings, all right? It, it's not, it's becoming a transcendent event. And I, and I think it's summarized in the clip that I'm sure many of you have already seen. But in case you haven't, here it is again. Obviously, it's false. And look, he also knows deep in his heart that Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane next to it. <laughs> He knows that this is, you know, an, an administration defined by ignorance of the world. And so that's partly him playing to their base and playing to their audience. Uh, you know, the, the, the credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump um, that, that wants to think that, that, that Donald Trump's a smart one. And they're oh, y'all, y'all, y'all elitists are dumb. <laughs> you, you elitists with your geography and your maps and your spelling. Even though my path and you're reading. Yeah, you're reading, you know, your geography, knowing other countries, sipping your latte. All those lines on the map. (laughs) Only them elitists know where Ukraine is. Sorry, I apologize. But but, 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 oh my god! But but you know what? But but it was Rick's fault. I blame Rick. But but in all honesty, but blame Rick. Why not? Sorry, hold on. Wait, wait. Give me a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. (laughs) That was good. Sorry, Rick. That was a good one. I needed that. Two weeks ago today, two producers for CNN were here. In our studio, Aaron, you were here. They actually set one of them in your chair, Todd. Um, 
the other one here to my left. And we spoke for about an hour and a half. And this was a meeting that they asked me for. They came to me um, looking for a conservative they could, quote, collaborate with. That was the exact words that were, uh, that, that was, that were used in their email to me. Uh, and they primarily were looking for somebody who could represent an actual conservative viewpoint on their op-ed pages because the the top three trending articles in terms of total traffic at CNN's op-ed page in 2019 were all freelance guest-written conservative pieces. And so they're, they're looking for someone who on a, they said that's what they told me anyway, whether that's true or not is, you know, a wholly different topic, but they were looking for someone who could be a consistent presence, conservative presence on that, on that page. And this conversation got into a broader discussion about media, Trump, et cetera. And, and one of the things I said to them was that a few years ago, when I was on the cruise campaign, talking daily to, you know, cruise activists across the country, the level of frustration with Fox News and how much it was in the tank for originally Jeb Bush and then Marco Rubio and then Trump during that primary. Our, we, you know, the, the, the Trump network or the, or the Cruz network around the country just stopped watching it. Remember when Ted Cruz just, if people forget this because he's on there regularly now, but during the 2016 primary, Hannity was so biased and slanted. I mean, was such a Trump fluffer that Cruz just stopped refusing to even go on. He turned down invites. Do you remember that? I do. I mean, doesn't that seem like it was 20 years ago? It does. It does. Yeah. And, and a lot of Cruz conservatives around the country, man, we would watch CNN because we thought, you know, at least we're going to get an unbiased view of the primary. They don't care who wins. I mean, the campaign was putting me on CNN panels. Opposite uh, Kaylee McElhaney, I think is her name. She's now the, the spokeswoman for the RNC. Just a brazen liar. And I called her that, that, went on, well. the, that on the panel. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the hostess, Brooke Baldwin, got mad at me for calling her one. And then said that was, un, uh, that was out of bounds and then proceeded to point out that everything Kaylee was saying, though, was a lie. And I was like, well, if everything she's saying is a lie, then what's the point of me calling her a liar? Why, why is that a problem? You know? But I, I told these bookers at, or these producers at CNN, they're not bookers, they're producers, I'm sorry. I told them, though, we're at the point that if I went to a lot of those same people now, four years later, and said, hey, should I do anything with you guys? It'd be at least 50-50. Don't even attach myself to you on any level whatsoever because of how tarnished you are. And you guys, I, I told them, Aaron, Aaron, you're my witness. Yep. I looked them right in the eye and I said, let's assume Donald Trump is everything you claim that he is. You're the best get out the vote effort that he has. Because the way that you have behaved in relationship to him and, and, and the way that you have sent the signal that we believe you're a lesser being if you voted for him, that you're beneath contempt, you have solidified his base for him better than he could have ever hoped to do on his own. Couldn't have possibly done it this well on his own. No way. 
Well, because one of the reasons is most of the Republican Party is actually like Rick Wilson, who, you know, I, I, Rick Wilson basically has worked for every Republican you hate. And that's what most of the Republican Party, he's the white guy on the panel, by the way, in case you don't know. That's what most of the Republican Party is. And this is something that a lot of those people didn't understand. Trump, Trump's popularity is they recognize, and you can see it with the actions of a Mitt Romney type now. You think the same thing of these. Most of the Republican Party on a national level thinks this way of you, too. That's why Rick Wilson's at home on that panel. He was one of the most in-demand consultants in the incestuous consultancy industry of the Republican Party until Donald Trump won the nomination. So this isn't just what the left thinks of you. This is really what the entire political class thinks of people like us. And that clip right there, it's almost like they just walked out of this studio two weeks ago, went back to Atlanta or Washington, wherever their headquarters are, and just queued it up and said, let's, let's check the box once again. I mean, that... I don't know that the Trump campaign will craft a better and more effective commercial for their reelect efforts than that clip right there. And what it, what it also shows is... is Yet again, for a couple of days after the 2016 election, they considered introspection. They considered self-awareness and accountability. And then after a 48-hour period, they decided that you were bad. And, and that is why we have seen, we don't see media bias anymore. We, we don't. We're flat out in propaganda mode now. I mean, just out in the open now. And when they do actual journalism, it's with, you know, you know what, look over your shoulder. Okay, what narrative are you setting me up with on this one? Like Nora O'Donnell questioning Bernie Sanders about how much his plans cost. She doesn't care. She just doesn't think you're going to vote for Bernie Sanders in a general election. That's what her, that's the, that's the racket she's playing. Rest assured, three seconds after Bernie Sanders wins the commiserate amount of delegates to clinch the Democratic nomination for president, there's not going to be a single damn media outlet other than Fox or The Blaze or places like this that are, that are going to give two turds with corns in it that they flush down a toilet and is resting in a septic tank with Bernie Sanders' plans cost. They don't care. They just don't think Jeremy Corbyn can win. They watched him lose last year in the UK and they're worried the same thing's going to happen here across the pond this year. That, that in, the, in reality, even when actual journalism is done, it's either a gaffe, like they accidentally just stepped on a, on a, on a rake or look over your shoulder, this is to further a, a narrative that serves their interest and their causes. And all that did is just drive that point home. And this is where somebody like Trump 
whether you like them or not. And all of us here on this show on various days have mixed feelings about that question. But Aaron, when you saw this clip, what did you tweet out earlier today? Uh, I was on the fence about voting for Trump. Now I think I'm going to vote a couple times. A couple times. Yeah. yeah. When's election day? When are the polls open? Is it okay if I just draw, a, can I draw a middle finger on my ballot after I fill it in? You can try. Does it, does it disqualify my ballot? Because this isn't about Trump. It's not. It's about you. They loved Donald Trump for years when you thought he was an amoral billionaire miscreant. You know, the 80s, the 90s, 2010s, every year prior to 2015. (laughs) All right. They loved him. The same gangster rap stars with their misogynistic lyrics talking about Trump hates women and he's racist when the N-bomb they use is conjunction, junction, what's their function and have made millions of dollars bringing that back into popular culture when it was buried generations ago. They've brought it back. They've brought the, they've brought the N-bomb blast back. Prior to 2015, man, they hung out with Donald Trump all the time. All the time. All the time. It blew my mind of watching a clip from about six or seven years ago of the comedy. I think I even mentioned this on the air. Did I mention this to you guys privately? I can't remember. I, I, there's a, I saw a clip from Comedy Central, the Donald Trump celebrity roast. And, and, and all of his pals are there. You know one of his pals is? That was there roasting him? Snoop Dogg. I mean, it was like a who's who of pop culture was there. They couldn't get enough. They loved them some Don, and they loved them some Donald Trump. But when he attached himself to you, suddenly he is now persona non grata. Because this isn't about him. It's about you. And for those of you that are are struggling, and that may even include a couple of you in our studio sitting next to me. I don't know. But for those of you that are struggling with I don't get why I'm a conservative. What are my conservative friends? What do they see in this guy? I don't get it. I don't understand it. There is some celebrity worship, cult of celebrity there. We've talked about that from the very beginning. That's undeniable. But that doesn't get you 62 million votes in a presidential election, guys. Okay? It sells, it sells national inquirers where Trump's buddies work there too. Okay? It, it sells those. But it doesn't get you 62 million votes in a presidential election. What gets you 62 million votes in a presidential election is, wait, you don't like this guy? Why didn't you just say so? I'll vote Trump. Because I know you hate me. So, okay, I'm your Huckleberry. And... This is happening comprehensively. It killed the NFL's television ratings a few seasons ago. It's destroying the NBA's television ratings right now. You you wouldn't believe the shows. And I'm like, I'm talking like marquee matchups where LeBron James is playing. You wouldn't believe the shows that are that are outperforming the NBA right now in the ratings. The NBA ratings have are bottoming out. 
We're seeing these award shows every year are setting new all-times ratings lows. It's why Ricky Gervais went viral. It's why I want to have his children. And right now, a guy that a few years ago, Pierce Morgan was almost a nightly lament on this show because his show was on the same time my Salem syndicated show was on and we'd have it on in the monitor and just watch, just watch the, 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 the liberal talking points that he would just spew and we'd just sit here in real time sometimes and just deconstruct them. When I'm done letting Ricky Gervais impregnate me, I might let Pierce Morgan have a turn because, dude, he's calling BS on all kinds of people right now. I am under no illusion that Pierce Morgan has the same views of national sovereignty and the Second Amendment and, and, and life and sexuality as I do. I know he does not. I'm well aware of that. And I'm well aware that Ricky Gervais kind of thinks I'm a rube too for believing in things like God. I get all of that. But what these guys all have become are mini Trumps. In other words, wait, you hate the same people I hate? The same people that hate me hate you? The same BS I'm tired of, of being shoved down my throat you don't want to swallow anymore? Where do I enlist? I'm in. And, and hey, man, what are you doing after the show? I'm free. Trump is, is, the, is, is the galactus of this reverb. He is a planet eater, world destroyer. These other guys I'm talking about, they're the silver surfers of the arrangement. The miniatures, the heralds. They may be cooler. They may look cooler. But, the, but, but Galactus is the force of nature here. And that is Trump. And a lot of people have just decided I, justice is, not, is no longer obtainable in this system. Truth is no longer obtainable in this system. Vengeance is all that's left. And the guy over there with the bad comb over and the orange hair is my avenging angel. Choke on it. And that's why that clip last night airs. And the very next day, because you know who's not doing a lot of talking right now? Trump's not doing a lot of talking right now. And so all we're getting is these detractors have come to the forefront. It's not a coincidence that the morning after that clip, Trump hits the highest he's had in the real clear politics polling average approval rating in more than three years or about three years. Now, it's not like they all, they started polling people. Most people don't know what a Don limit is or when it airs. That's not the point. It's this trend line we have seen. And that clip last night is, I mean, it, it's the culmination of what we're saying. Yeah, it's not a eureka moment. No. It's just like, it. we know the cake. Yes. That was just the gravy on top. Yes. And, and I think that is another sign of a cold civil war. I, I, the, that people have realized that you don't want to share a country with me. Just here locally, that's what the whole Carson thing, King thing was about. And I, that was you, the guy that raised the money from sales of from from Bush Light yeah. 
to for the, the University of Iowa hospital, yeah. and he was an Iowa State fan actually, but because he tweeted dumb, stupid stuff when he was twelve or whatever. Okay, that he, he in, in a routine background check, the Des Moines Register destroyed him, and then the reporter who they published that did it got fired because of the blowback, and then I don't know what lefty blog he went to, and then just dunked on. Uh, the, his own readers for not being as enlightened for wanting to destroy poor Carson King as much as he wanted. Yeah, and to. all that soft-spoken, hushed tones, uh, routine background check. Their exact words were. I guarantee you, when they decided to do this, they were laughing like Don Lev. Oh, we're going to get him. He deserves it. He's beneath us. I guarantee you that. I know some of them personally. And so you know, all those people who donated, it, it went up fast. What, Aaron? Was it three million, four million? I mean, the goal was six figures. It went way into seven figures. And these were from people with that feeling. You know, I can only afford to give five bucks, but here's the five for the kids with cancer. And this other five I'm giving to the kids with cancer, but it's more for choke on it. Yes. Choke on it. You're talking about. Yes. I'm doubling down on this. Abs- absolutely. That's 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 where we are at. And everybody wants to focus on. Um, th- this was Don Lemon's show and Rick Wilson's a never Trumper. There's another focus here. Rick Wilson was an elite within the Republican Party until Donald Trump won the nomination for years. For years. And if you come away from this believing that this is what the left or left media thinks of you, or if that's all you come away, because that's true, that is absolutely true, but if that's all you come away with from this thinking, then you have fallen for fake news. Rick Wilson's on that panel because the vast majority of Republicans you've elected and enriched for decades think the same way as, 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 as he does. That's he's why Steve, they hired he's, him. He's Steve Schmidt. He's Mitt yes. Romney. He's yes. at all. He won't eat the chicken sandwich. It's That's all exactly right, right. Yes. This has been the party. That, I didn't, I'm not just saying things just to, you know, lift up a cheek, squeeze one off. Hey, and, it's, and, it's, and, and, and I smelled it and it says, the only party that hates conservatives more than Democrats is the Republicans. No, man. I lived it going up against people like this. this. Is the heart they of your freaking dis- hate you. This is the heart of your disgust for John McCain that goes yes. back how long? Yes. Absolutely. They hate you. That, they hate you. This is not, the, 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 in my opinion, the finest op-ed I have read in my career was Anthony Codevilla's essay, The Ruling Class. That's about 10 years ago now. And that's exactly what this is. That's exactly what it is. This is why I'm pointing out to you the Liberty scores at Conservative Review of your new conservative heroes. And I'm pointing out to you the danger of anointing people who proved by their very voting records prior to Trump, they didn't agree with you. And now because they're aligned with Trump to push back against some of these people, don't then by proxy assume they're your allies. They're not. They're opportunists. They're hoping that by defending Trump against the deep state, They'll become made men and women. You'll never consider that Elise Stefanik voted against the Trump tax cuts and has a 25% liberty score. And you'll never, she can be the new McCain. She can be the new Lisa Murkowski. 
the new Susan Collins, your new conservative hero who's actually never with you on, a, on anything. On anything that ultimately matters. Because the day and time's going to come, Donald Trump is going to exit stage left. Hell, it might come as soon as the first Tuesday of this November. I don't think it will, but it, it might. Who knows? Crazier things have happened, like Trump getting elected in the first place. All right? But the day's going to come when he exits stage left. What remains? So do not fall into the trap that this is merely what a bunch of leftist progressive elites think of you. Nope. That's what Lindsey Graham thinks of you too. Yeah, I said it. That's why he's that's why he's doing the performance you saw at the Kavanaugh hearing. And then after that, you got some street cred from that. Starts going up to the White House and talking about amnesty again. This whole thing is a scam. The whole thing is. Don't lose sight of that. that. That's what a lot of the people you have voted for, and I have voted for, think of you. Now, that doesn't mean I'm telling you not to vote for them. Just do so with a clear eye and sober-minded. Understand that you're doing business here because you've really got to use the bathroom. And the sign on the highway said, there's not another rest area for 50 miles. So you're going into that bathroom and you're like, I don't want to know what science projects were conducted in here prior to my arrival. And I'm going to put 75 layers of toilet paper on the seat before I sit down. But ultimately, I got to get the job done. Don't, don't lie to yourself. Don't become fake news. That just because this is the only pot to urinate in for 50 plus miles, that suddenly you're going to the bathroom at the Taj Mahal. You're not. It's still a dump. It's just a dump that's necessary at the moment. Because whenever Trump leaves, a lot of the people that you think are your heroes now are going to go right back to Paul Ryan, technocratic, Team GOP. Because that's who they really are. The vast majority of them are. And they're hoping you're going to let them get away with it because they wrote a memo about FISA warrants. That's what they're hoping. By all means, use, hey, I read the Nunez memo. We read it aloud on the show in real time at the time. And pretty much everything he alleged in there has turned out to be true, has it not? Right. Yeah. Give him his credit. Give him credit for that. It doesn't mean, though, that you let him keep voting to fund Planned Parenthood with your money either because I think it's important for us to note that the last two people you nominated to be GOP nominee prior to Trump them and their entire campaign operations felt the same way about you do as that panel because the guy named Rick Wilson who was on the panel was in both of those campaign operations. This is not, 
This is not ideological. It's cultural. You live for their enjoyment, amusement, for your usefulness. They're the ruling class. They're better than you. This is more than just lefty progressivism. This is systemically cultural. Key word there, systemic. Pop Culture Tuesday is next. All right, let's get to it. It is time for Pop Culture Tuesday. Each week we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And even though January, the first month of 2020, is just about over, I'm finally ready to unveil my top 10 films of 2019. I should let you know one of the reasons why this gets delayed every year is those of you that live in those really cool cities that get releases like 1917 on Christmas Day, well, out here in the flyover country of Iowa, those sorts of limited release movies don't show up here until like weeks after they are released. And so I, I, I look at those that I think have any chance of showing up on my list. You know, I examine them uh, preemptively and, and I, I decide, hey, I want to see the one, two, three of these before I come out with my list just on the off chance. I think they are worthy of making it. All right. So that's why we don't do this until January every year. Now, I'm going to cop out. Just going to own it up front. Okay. I'm going to cop out of here a little bit because it, I thought it was a pretty strong year for movies that I liked anyway. And this was a year where I struggled to narrow the list down to 10. So I want to begin with some honorable mentions. Can I do that? Depends on what they are. <laughs> Good answer. Depends on if I agree with you. If I agree with you, then yes. If I don't, then what are we doing? Rise right? of Skywalker is in there. I'm out. No, <laughs> Rise of Skywalker is not in there. All right. So let's start with the honorable mention selections. All right. The Peanut Butter Falcon is the best movie you have not heard of. It is great. Um, now, I don't know how they got a PG-13 rating with three F-bombs because the I thought the rule was you couldn't have more than two and get a PG-13. There's actually three in the movie. Uh, and, and the S word is used a lot. A lot. Okay? But it's, it's a throwback to a Stand By Me kind of a movie that we would have grown up with in the 80s with a lot of heart but with the potty mouth at the same time and Shia LaBeouf plays a, a guy who's uh, lost his brother. That was his North star. His older brother basically raised him and um, dies tragically. And he's a lost soul. And, and you know, now he's, he's basically on the lamb because he's uh, committed some acts of criminal mischief and he encounters um, uh, a young man with down syndrome who the the state doesn't know how where to put him, and so they keep putting him in this retirement home. And finally, one of the retirees that he's with helps him to escape. He's tried to escape this retirement home a million times, and they always catch him. And finally, he figured out a way to escape. And his dream is uh, to become a professional wrestler. And he's got these tapes of his favorite wrestler, and he wants to go to his wrestling school. And Shia LaBeouf is already trying to you know uh, escape. Uh, consequences for his actions so he agrees to take him on a road trip it's very of mice and men kind of 
uh, is it George and Lenny? If I yeah, remember where the characters so, in the yeah. book, it's very similar to that. Okay. Just with, uh, you know, stand by me type of potty mouth, but it, it, it's got a very mouth of mice and men uh, flavor to it. And it is a great film. So that's my first honorable mention. There's actually a great background. I, I really want to see this movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I happened to come across the background story. It was when Shia LaBeouf has kind of a strange personal past with indeed yeah how, but he, he, he while shooting this he either said he got in trouble for something he said or something he actually did maybe it was even a, but anyways it halted production and the, the actor with down syndrome read him the riot act and he said this is you're being selfish and he's and he said i've i was a changed man because he hmm. stood up to me in a way that um I, he only he could have done, and uh, it really made an impact. So, you know, you might the Shia Labuth you think you knew in the past might be a different man in the future because of this film as well. Next on the honorable mention list, I have Ready or Not, which if you know there was a lot of hype about Ryan Johnson's Knives Out, and it's a good movie. This movie is cut from the same cloth, but better, and it's also very underrated. And I talked, in fact, I did an entire Pop Culture Tuesday about this movie when Amy and I went and saw it on a date night in August. The plot line is there's this family that's essentially the Milton Bradley family. They are the number one board game, you know, uh, tycoons in the world. But they, but they obtain this status because daddy um, or granddad sold his soul to the devil. Uh, or great granddad did. And it's been passed down through generations to the family. And when someone new, and this is the, this is the pact, when, when one of the sons marries a new bride, the family has to gather together for a board game that the devil created. And one of the, it's basically like a Yahtzee, and they roll the dice, and if a certain thing comes up, then they have to play hide and seek. And the, hide and, and the game hide and seek is in order to offer this bride up as a human sacrifice to the devil. And it is wickedly clever. And the bride's name in the movie is Grace. Grace alone survives at the end of the movie. Okay? Which if I'm spoiling it for you, if you thought the bride was going to die, then you just don't know how plot formulas work. Okay? I could say more, but I did a whole Pop Culture Tuesday about this movie, which I think has all kinds of unintentional theological metaphors attached to it. All right? So Ready or Not is on my... Uh, honorable mention list as well, as is this movie that I just saw about a week and a half ago called The Wind. Now, this thing was shot. It looks beautiful. It was shot on a budget of a few hundred thousand dollars. It's a horror Western, and it's about a woman whose husband often leaves her alone to go out and rustle up food and settle the, you know, the, 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 their Western settlers. And she's left alone, and she can't figure out if she's losing her mind or if she's under demonic attack. And the way the story is told, it's very similar to a movie that uh, won a lot of awards a couple of years ago called The Witch. But I think it's more of a everyman movie than The Witch was. I think The Witch is a real art house film. This is much more, it's the Old West. So it's much, it's much you know, earthier and down to earth than that movie was. And it's not as good as that movie, by the way, but it's still really, really good. And eventually, it, she she realizes that she's not losing her mind. Most of it happens in their little cabin. 
and real life spiritual warfare, man, with prayer and everything goes down in this cabin. Um, very mild profanity in this one. There is a scene of, uh, of, of I guess we'll call it marital bliss, but it is, it, it's so plain and nothing graphic is shown that I think it would actually deter your teenagers from acting out sexually. If you showed them that, they'd probably be like, that's what the big deal is about. I, 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 can, I can hold off, okay? <laughs> There's nothing alluring about it whatsoever, all right? Um, but this is a really, really good movie. And I'm guessing it's another one very few of you had heard of, all right? But I would highly recommend. It's on Amazon Prime right now, I know for sure. That's where I watched it. It's called The Wind. All right. Is that it for honorable mention? We got, uh, let's see, two more. Two more. Shazam. I love Shazam. I love the character. One of my favorite superheroes growing up. They nailed it with putting a big motif to the movie. It's it's very, very well done. I wanted to mention Shazam. Let's get one more in here. And then Just Mercy. Um, not as good as, a. It, it's similar to a Hidden Figures in terms of the kind of story it tells. Not as good of a movie as that, which is why it's not in the top 10. But I think the way the story is told is powerful enough it's worth watching. Jamie Foxx is a wrongly accused man on death row for a murder he didn't commit, which was an absolute true story that this movie is based on. Uh, Jamie Foxx is incredible uh, in this film, like Oscar-worthy level performance. All right, so not as good of a movie as, as Hidden Figures, but the power of the story told makes it worth it. Now, I'm going to warn you, though, it's really a holistic polemic against the death penalty on a moral basis, not just about this one case, right? So know that going in. I lied. One more. Oh, there is one more. Funniest movie I saw this year. Between Two Ferns, with uh, the movie with Zach Galifianakis. Now, I I would pay to watch Zach Galifianakis read a phone book and just... I, I think he might be the funniest person alive on planet Earth right now. But this is the funniest movie I saw last year. It's not even, there's no close second. I laughed out loud many, many times. And the thing is, the best humor is when they don't get into the sexual gratuity stuff that it gets into later in the movie. The best humor is when he's actually kind of goes with what we were just talking about. When he just mocks these celebrities to their faces in the most brutal but, but, but passive aggressive way. Um, I mean, I had to pause the film a couple of times because I was laughing so hard that I was going to lose track of what was going on that I had to pause it to get control of myself. Okay. So, uh, between two ferns, the movie, Zach Galifianakis, funniest movie I saw last year. I couldn't even get halfway through it. You're kidding me. I'm not, I'm not. Wow. See, but I could see why it's you're either in or you're out on this and maybe it was the mood that night mm-hmm. I, I mean i i i can see why if you're ready to just be there you can be there well i was ready to be there apparently that night because i thought this movie was stinking hilarious okay uh it's a netflix original that film is and now we get to my top 10 movies of the year all right I, I, i've got to have a horror film entry in there i thought the best horror film i saw this year was dr sleep it looks beautiful. It's a perfect sequel to Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. And it, 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 it marries the story that Stephen King really wanted to tell on The Shining. And this is based on his book that's a sequel to that story. It's got a lot of bad reviews. And they're all wrong. I'm going to tell you right now, when you, I promise you when you see it, you're going to be like, what, what, what do you mean this isn't a good movie? It's a really, really good movie. And, it, and 
it they they nailed it the look and the sound uh and the and the score of the shining they absolutely nailed it but they didn't do it in a way that i thought made the film a cheap knockoff but it made it an offspring you know it's a chip off the old block there's a there's enough original stuff that's in here ewan mcgregor's really good it's my number 10 movie of the year i thought it was the best horror film of the year way better than it chapter two which i which would was i think one of the most disappointing films i saw in a in a movie theater this year just a terrible follow-up to the first one that's great number nine on my list is the lion king and and i know that it's just a complete live action retelling of the animated original so it it's it's still a, a phenomenal story still phenomenally voice acted and the live action animatronics and everything else are absolutely stunning so i have the lion king as my number nine movie of the year i I walked out of the theater in this one and i was just kind of disappointed i mean the plot the the plot was really hard to believe i mean starting with talking animals it was just first disney film yeah yeah i hear you okay number eight i have unplanned Bit of a homer pick here. I will admit it up front. But I also thought that um, it it might have been the most original movie of the year. An R-rated Christian movie that actually paints people who work in abortion clinics in a somewhat sympathetic light while also showing you the complete total brutality of what they do to women and babies in there at the exact same time. Pulling that off? Because I didn't think you could pull that off. And this movie does. So uh, it, it actually won the award for best movie for mature audiences at the Movie Guide Awards earlier this week. So I have unplanned at number eight on my list. Show it to your teenage daughters and don't use the fact that it's rated R as any silly excuse. As well as your teenage sons. Oh, yes. Show it to them as well. Yes. Number seven on my list, Spider-Man Far From Home. The, I, in fact, if I could, the whole movie is really good, but if, but I could just put Spider-Man Far From Home after credit scene as one of the top 10 movies of the year because it it's one of the best after credit scenes. It's the best after credit scene in a movie since Tony Stark came home to Malibu uh, at the end of Iron Man 1 and Nick and Samuel Jackson sitting there as Nick Fury and hands him a you know a, a, a folder that says Avengers initiative on it. It's it's the best after credit scene since the first one that launched the MCU. The whole movie is good. Tom Holland is you know, phenomenal. Um, I'm trying to remember the actor who plays Mysterio. His name escapes me. Jake Gyllenhaal. Thank you. Thank you. Jake Gyllenhaal is incredible. Phenomenal M. Night Shyamalan level plot twist with his character and what's going on for real midway through the movie. And then the after credit scene where J. Jonah Jameson shows up. My jaw hit the floor when they pulled that thing off. All right. So I've got Spider-Man Far From Home number seven. Number six, and I thought about ranking this one higher, if only because I thought there's no way I thought they were going to pull this off. Like Toy Story 3 is the is is a classic send-off film. All right. One of the best animated films of all time. And the and and the and the trailers for Toy Story 4 did not impress me. 
But the film, they did it, man. They came up with a story that was not totally derivative. They didn't just make you think. They just ran out of ideas and they're trying to make a quick buck. They broke your heart at the end of the movie again. So I've got Toy Story 4, number six on my list. Now to the top five, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. If you don't like this movie, you're just not a human being. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I mean, this is, um, and the way that they told Fred Rogers' story and putting him in, in a, a regular family dynamic while at the same time he's ministering to people through his public television show, phenomenal movie. I, I mean, it's just a, and, and Tom Hanks' performance is, it, this is a role, and we've probably said this about Tom Hanks three or four other times in his career, it's a role he was basically born to play. Um, he is the closest thing our, we have to Jimmy Stewart in, in our era, okay? He has that level of altruism attached to him as a public figure to play a role like that. Number four on my list is Yesterday. Um, I, I, maybe the best date night movie of the year and, and an original take as well. Uh, and it's my all-time favorite band. But, but the story that it tells about what's ultimately important materialism uh, when he meets up with John Lennon at the end of the movie uh, in his alternative universe that he lives in and Lennon's not a member of the Beatles and he wants to know, Hey, what, what what's the greatest thing you learned in life? I mean, I, to know and to love one woman with all my heart, that that's the greatest thing I accomplished in my life. Um, It's just, a, it, it's, it's a great film, man. That's why it's number four on my list. I love this movie. Number three is 1917. Yes, it's the it's the British World War I version of Saving Private Ryan. I actually think it's a better movie than Saving Private Ryan. Um, and the level of cinematography, it, this thing will have you on the edge of the seat the whole time through. Uh, it's, it's worth all of the accolades it has received. And if I had to guess what's going to win Best Picture next month, I think it's going to be this one. I think this is going to be your your best picture winner for 2019 is 1917. Phenomenal. And if you can see it like in an IMAX style setting, normally we don't say that about movies we think might win best picture, but if you can see it in that kind of a setting, that this movie absolutely worth putting down a few extra bucks for that level of experience. Number 2 is The Joker. I think Joaquin Phoenix is going to win best actor and this movie tapped a vein. We did an entire Pop Culture Tuesday about this movie when it came out as well. It is an honest portrayal of where leftist nihilism, deconstructionism, iconoclasm really wants to take you. And the greatest line in any movie all year long, the line of the year in cinema in 2019, is when the Joker looks at Robert De Niro and says, I really don't believe in anything. Yep, nailed it. And my number one movie of the year is Avengers Endgame. When you talk about what they had to pull off, the merging of, of a decade's worth of, of storylines, the expectations after how great Avengers Infinity War was, to then have pretty much everybody that saw that movie come out of that saying, not only did they do it, but they blew me away. They, I had impossible expectations and they exceeded them. Um, it's number one, man. Uh, and it, there's other films, 1917, 
the Joker, in terms of just pure movie making, are probably better. But when you look at what these folks had to overcome, the Russos, from an expectation level, you add that into your handicap, it's my number one with a bullet. Strong list. Many movies uh, I can't wait to see. Uh, I'm going to fast forward them on my personal list. Well, I hope that uh, I give you guys something to do here on a winter weekend. We'll be back at it again tomorrow right here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.